Well, good morning. Thank you. Uh, we are going to pick right up where we left off last week. Uh, for those who maybe don't remember or weren't with us, we were right in um, the tail end of the eighth chapter of Mark, and we were at this critical moment in, uh, in the story of Mark so far where Jesus sort of pins down the disciples and he says, who, who do you think I am? After, after all the time we've spent together, after everything you've heard me say, uh, both publicly and privately, everything you've seen me do, who is it that you think I am? And, uh, and they said, well, clearly, obviously, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You're the one who's going to come. You're going to come take care of things. And Jesus is like, awesome. Don't tell anybody that because your understanding is completely wrong. And uh, I don't want you sharing any information until I, I readjust your thinking. And so he starts sharing with them and uh, essentially revealing to them, you know, um, I am, I am the Christ. You know, God revealed that to you and that was true and, and good on you for getting that. Um, but, uh, but what happens now is uh, I am going to be rejected by everybody. Uh, there's going to be a lot of beating and torture and horror and it's going to be terrible for everybody, um, but especially for me. And, uh, and then I'm going to die, um, but good news, I'm going to be back, and things are going to be so much better after that. And the disciples are like, uh, bro, uh, that's not how the story goes. And, and we have this ridiculous moment where Peter, you know, impulsive, you kind of get the impression Peter is a doer, not necessarily a thinker. Um, you know, he, he sort of talks first and then thinks about what he said after the fact. Uh, he's like, Jesus, 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 let me set you straight. And Jesus is like, whoa, your words are straight out of the pit of hell. You are Satan speaking into my life right now because, because you are telling me what I want to hear. You are telling me there is a way to accomplish God's plan without adhering to God's plan. And uh, I am really not down with God's plan because I am not digging the whole, you know, torture death thing. But I know that's the way it has to be, so stop with your words of temptation. And, and we have this critical moment where Jesus is like, to them and to us, you have to decide, will you follow, will you worship your own idea of who Jesus is? Or will you follow Jesus as he reveals himself to be in the word? Uh, because too many of us are following a Jesus of our own concoction, uh, a Jesus who, who looks disturbingly a lot more like us than this guy in here. And so Jesus is like, you need to decide your Jesus or this Jesus. And picking right up from there uh, in verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with the disciples, you know, he's had this little this little one-on-one, one-on-twelve with the disciples, where he sort of takes them to task a little bit. And then he calls the crowd, the rest of the people who were following him, and he calls them all together. And he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. 
and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. A um, lot happening here. You know, Jesus has this tendency to um, say very little, and yet what he says is so packed that, you know, we can then go back and we can spend days sifting through what he said and seeing the various levels of what he's sharing. Uh, so I just want to take this backwards a little bit. I want to go to the end of what he said because it sort of ties directly back to last week. And then I want to come back to the beginning of this week's uh, part of the story and really share, I think, what is the critical moment in here. So in uh, verse 38, he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Here, when he says ashamed, he's, he's, he's using it in the sense of, you know, if you're feeling like you cannot, in good conscience, adhere to my teachings, you cannot follow me because of the resulting um, fear of mockery or humiliation, you know, if you honestly, you look at how this is going to be received, and you look at how you're going to be received because of this choice, you know, you feel free. You know, just back out now. If you're going to be ashamed of me and who I am and what I am, there's nothing I can do about that. But you need to know there will come a point when I will return the favor. And this is not Jesus being judgmental. This is not Jesus being... Um, uh, you know, getting back at them. This is Jesus respecting their decision. He's saying, look, if you want to reject me and no longer have any part of me, I respect that decision, but I will respect that decision all the way down the line. You want no part of me? You will have no part of me now or any other time. See, he knows that all of a sudden they're doing the calculations. They're thinking through what this is going to look like. They have, they have hitched their wagon to a star, and all of a sudden they have found out the star is a meteor pummeling towards the earth. They were expecting to be in the wake of the Messiah, of the Christ, and coming into Jerusalem, and they were going to come with power and glory, and their, their leader was going to set everything straight. And they were going to be caught up in the glow of this guy. 
And they would enter into Jerusalem, and there would be praise and honor and enough to go around for everybody. And they were like, he's the guy, and I'm the guy's guy. So you just, because one word from me to him, and when one word from him, you're... All of a sudden now, they're, they're, they're starting to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying, by following after you, all we can expect is, in the worst case, our own torture and death. But in the best case, we get to live with humiliation. We get to live with mockery. We get to forever be, <laughs> look, look, it's, it's those guys. It's those guys that, no, they were following the other guy, you know, the Messiah who, like, died. That's them for the rest of their lives. And, he's, and as Jesus points out so often in Scripture, there comes a point when each one of us must decide who he is and then count the cost of following him. Can I pay the price? Can I accept the cost to myself, to my life, to the way I want to live, to my choices, to my decisions, to my reputation? Can I accept that cost in following Jesus? And it's a choice we each have to make. And it may be a choice we have to make over and over and over again. And he's going, look, look, I'm going to tell you right now. You think you've seen some stuff. Yeah, you know, I, you know there's been some miracle things and, you know, people back to life. And, you know, the, the storm thing, I, what, I did the storm thing once or twice. And then, you know, the bread thing, you know, that one's kind of old because I've done that a few times. You haven't seen the really solid stuff yet. You have not seen me in the true power of God's kingdom. But some of you here, some of you thinking the true power of God's kingdom is at the end, in the resurrection. I'm telling you right now, some of you here right now that I'm speaking to, you will not die before you see that. And much of the commentary I looked at in the last week suggested that what he's talking about is actually the very next story in the book of Mark which is the transfiguration. You will actually see Jesus dwelling in the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to be having a confab with Moses and Elijah and, and the guys, well, three of the guys, James and John and Peter, they're going to get to witness this. And it'll be another awesome story where Peter's mouth starts going before Peter's brain kicks in. But, you know, they're not the only ones, because there will be more. They will witness not only the death, but the resurrection. John will witness the transfiguration, but John will be the only one of the twelve who will stand there at the foot of the cross and see his beloved friend, Jesus Christ, die, expire, leave this life. And yet this same John will be one of the first two at the tomb that is empty three days later. 
Thomas, who's standing here in this group, probably standing there towards the back, because, you know, little Thomas. Thomas will be offered the opportunity to place his fingers into the wounds of the risen, resurrected Jesus. And all of them, but one, will be there to watch their Lord, their Christ, ascend into heaven. They will see Jesus Christ come in the power of God's kingdom. We all have the opportunity to see God, to see Jesus Christ at work in the kingdom of heaven on a daily basis if we make the choice to live in that kingdom with him. We all have the opportunity to see the miraculous, amazing work of Jesus Christ day in and day out. And it may not be these huge, powerful moments. It may not be these miracles. It may not be the calming of a, of a storm. But it'll be the healing of broken hearts. It'll be the mending of broken relationships. It'll be, it'll be the redirection of of lives set straight. Not only do we get to witness that, Jesus gives us the opportunity to be part of that work. You can be the hands, the feet, the words God uses to set people's lives straight and to bring healing and love and joy and hope into an otherwise dark and broken world. But we only get that opportunity when we choose to follow this Jesus. And too many of us are choosing some other Jesus. Remember, remember I listed some of them out, the buddy Jesus. Buddy Jesus just wants you to be happy. The shut up Jesus. Jesus, just shut up, sit in the back seat until it's time to take the wheel. Slot machine Jesus. Lord, I really need something. Cherry, cherry, skull. Dang it, Jesus. Where were you on that one? The breaking glass in case of emergency, Jesus. The rubber stamp of everything we think and do and say, Jesus. It's handy. Those are all handy, Jesus, to have. But that's not this guy. If we want to be part of that life of the kingdom of God, we have to choose this Jesus. And despite what too many of us have been told and too many of us have been sold. This Jesus does not offer a free ride. This Jesus says, you know what? I require of you. The whole, you know what? 
Never taste the sting of death. Never fear the judgment. Go to heaven when you die. Walk with Jesus. Have the blessing and goodness of God in your life. That is all the benefit of subjecting yourself to Jesus. That is what comes with submitting everything you are and everything you have to Jesus Christ. And that's what he means when he says, you have to take up your cross. He will take up the big cross. Not his own. He will take up your cross, your big cross, your cross of death and judgment and atonement. But you then, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is this cross? What is this cross Jesus asked us to take up? It is a complete and utter devotion to him. It is the choice we make to take everything we are, everything we think, everything we say, everything we do, every opinion we have, every thought we have. It's us choosing to take our checkbooks and our credit cards, and our friendships, and our social media, and our internet interaction, and put that all in a box and give it to Jesus and say, Here, I give this all to you. Today, I take up my cross and I deny myself. I deny my own thoughts. I deny my own wants. I deny my own desires. I deny me so that I can follow you. Because I am a mess. I have no understanding. And the best that I in my own power can do is just simply not good enough. The best I can do is be me. And me is a mess. So Jesus, I give it all to you. This is what it means to take up your cross daily, to every morning, decide that this day, what I think doesn't matter. What I want doesn't matter. My opinions don't matter. My views don't matter. None of it matters unless it's what Jesus reveals to me. Dallas Willard. Non-discipleship costs abiding peace. Non-disciple to not be a disciple costs you. It costs you abiding peace. It costs you a life penetrated throughout by love. It costs you faith that sees everything in the light of God's overriding governance for good. 
It costs you hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances. It costs you the power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. By choosing to not follow Jesus, you give up all claim to everything I just listed there. In short, it costs exactly the abundance of life Jesus said he came to bring. The last thing, one of the last things Jesus says before he ascends is make disciples. Jesus expects those of us who claim his name to become disciples. Going to church once a week does not make you a disciple. It might be part of it, but is not it. Writing a check a couple times a month does not make you a disciple. It might be part of it, but it's not it. Discipleship is a conscious decision to say everything about me, my spiritual life, my physical life, my mental life, my emotional life, all must be given over to Jesus Christ so that he can teach me how to live it the way he would if he was in my place. You can become like Jesus. There's so many points throughout Scripture where Jesus says, you know, if we just think of the Sermon on the Mount alone, where Jesus is telling us we can have victory over lust, we can have victory over anger, we can have victory over this sin and that sin, and we go, I can't do that. No, you can't do that. But he can. And if you submit yourself to him, if you make a conscious decision each and every day to go, Jesus, today, teach me what it means to look like you and not like me, he can make you the kind of person who can do those things. Jesus can teach you what it looks like when, through every fault of your own, you are late for an appointment and you get stuck behind the two slowest drivers in the world who are for some reason doing a synchronized driving routine down the road. Uh Uh-huh. I knew I wasn't the only one. I guarantee you, folks, the way Jesus reacts behind that wheel is not the way I react behind that wheel. And probably not the way you react behind the wheel. How does Jesus react when my kid brings home a report card with all A's? How does Jesus react when my kid brings home a report card with all F's? He can teach you to be that person. How does Jesus act? Oh, Lord. How does Jesus act on social media? How does Jesus act on Facebook? How does Jesus act on Twitter? Trick question. 
Jesus wouldn't be on Facebook or Twitter because he's smarter than that. How does Jesus deal with my credit cards and my checkbook? How does Jesus respond to those people who see the world in a completely different way than I do? Those people whose, whose opinions are the, the direct opposite of every opinion I have. How does Jesus deal with them? Is that the way I deal with them? See, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And too many of us, you see, mm, folks, words mean things. And we live in a place where people try to make words mean new things, and I just, I can't get on board with that. Words mean things. And the word follow means follow. You take 12 small children, bring them in this room, and say, play follow the leader. They know what that means. One child is going to be at the front, and that child is going to do things and go places. And all the other 11 are going to follow the leader. It's a really very simple concept. Until you become an adult. Because somehow, in the adult mindset, I can follow Jesus without going where he goes and doing what he does and thinking like he thinks, and being anything like him. I can follow Jesus without actually moving. And then at the end of the day, call myself a follower. See, that's one of those things. Everybody knows what I'm saying. Nobody wants to amen that. Because we've been there. And that's why it's easier to choose the other Jesus the other Jesus I get to make up, the Jesus I get to define, because that Jesus doesn't ask anything of me. If I choose this Jesus, this Jesus wants stuff. This Jesus has expectations of me. This Jesus just said, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross every day. You have to deny yourself in favor of me. Mm -hmm. But I don't... And, and... We could say, I don't like the way Jesus does stuff. Jesus is nice to people I don't want to be nice to. Jesus wants me to not do things I want to do. Jesus wants me to do things I don't want to do. This is denying yourself. But this is what gives you that life Dallas just told us about. The life of abundance, the life of peace, the life of hope, the life of strength, the life of joy. That's where you find this, by following Jesus. See, the people of this day had a, had a, had a saying, to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. The idea was that you would connect yourself to a teacher, or rather you would like apply, and if he took you, you were good, but you would follow the rabbi. You would follow so close behind, you were constantly covered 
by the dust he kicked up. And you were following so close behind your rabbi because you didn't want to miss a thing he did. You didn't want to miss a thing he said. You wanted to hear and know all of it because that is how you would change. You would hear it. You would do it. You would become it. And that's the same thing Jesus calls us to do. Read it. Hear it. Do it. Become it. And we've lost that in the church today. I'll hear. I ain't got time to read. Sure as heck not going to do. And I'm not so sure I want to become. Cool, cool, cool. You don't have to do any of that. You don't even have to follow this Jesus. You can be ashamed of this Jesus and reject this Jesus because of the fear of humiliation or mockery, discomfort, whatever it is that keeps you from following him. You are free to reject this Jesus. But just be honest enough to say, no, I reject it. The very simple fact of the matter is, when we say, what does it mean to be a disciple? We can find it in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, starting in the second half of verse 5. By this, we may know that we are in him. When you are in him, you are his disciple. You are his student. You are his follower who is being transformed. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he abides in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It really is that simple. To take up your cross means to each day start the day with Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, what kind of parent do you want me to be? Jesus, what kind of child do you want me to be? Jesus, what kind of employee or employer do you want me to be? And then regardless of how you feel about it, you submit yourself to his leadership and you go be that and you go do that. And it will be hard at first because you are fundamentally changing the way your brain has operated your entire life. But when you make that choice and you start to make those little tweaks and you try and you fail and you try and you fail and try and fail a hundred times, maybe time 101, you get it right. Maybe time 127, you get it right. Maybe it won't be till time 311, but on time 311, when you get it right, all of a sudden you go, I see it. I get it. I understand it. Jesus just changed me. I am now something fundamentally different because of my interaction with Jesus, and I am going to keep following him, and I'm going to keep messing it up, and I'm going to keep getting it right, and then I'm going to keep getting it wrong. But over the course of my life, I am going to dedicate myself to the goal of increasingly 
looking like him and less like me by taking up my cross each and every day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the redeeming and transformative work you are willing to do in our lives. We thank you, Father, that you give us the free will to choose your way. And you give us the free will to reject your way. I just pray, Father, for each and every one who heard your word today that we would make a conscious decision. Maybe just, maybe just today. We won't think about tomorrow or the next day. Maybe just today we would make the choice to take up your cross, to take up our cross, to deny our own thoughts and our own opinions and our own desires in favor of yours. And maybe at the end of the day, as we're laying our head down to sleep, we can look back over the course of the day and we can find maybe just one moment, maybe just one small thing, maybe one thing so small nobody but us would know about it. And we can say, in that moment, I was like Jesus. And that one moment will be enough to convince us to try it again tomorrow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may he bless you with the strength and the courage Take up your cross just as he took up his cross for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, we are going to end with uh, one more video. Um, I don't know who it is or what it is, but it's probably musical and it's probably good. And if you're watching at home and you, YouTube dumps it, there's probably going to be a link somewhere where you can click it and you can watch it later. So do that because it will be good. And uh, that's all I've got for you. Do make sure you are looking out throughout the course of the week for emails or social media because we always got something that we want to share with you. Bless you guys. We love you. Take care of yourselves and we will see you right back at it next week.